At Jiffy Lube, it's our job to keep you moving. With a full range of services from oil changes and tire rotations to filters, wipers, and more, we've got what your car needs right when you need it. So you're ready for whatever's next. Putting you in the driver's seat of car care? That's a job for Jiffy. When you sign up for BP Me Rewards, you can get five cents off every gallon of gas every time at BP or Amico stations. That means more savings and more whatever you'd like to use your savings on. So treat yourself. It's on us. Visit bp.com slash save to learn more. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back, everyone. This is the X-Zone. I am Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to uh, check us out on the social media networks, X-Zone Radio TV, uh, let me see if you'd like to send an email, X-Zone at com. Our main radio website is com, and on uh, if you'd like to find out all about us, uh, what other great programming is available to you, 24-7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. My guest this hour, Exxon Nation, is Ken Cherry. He is a fifth-generation Texan and, and a U.S. Marine Corps veteran who served from 1966 to 1970 in the Vietnam era. Ken attended the University of Texas at Arlington Business College and graduated summa cum laude in finance and economics. Ken is a 42-year member of Mensa and uh, the retired former owner and principal of a regional Texas investment firm. Ken and his wife, Pat, are married 49 years. Ken was the Texas State Director for MUFON for over 10 years. At the time of the Stephenville event, he headed up a team of investigators and scientists that conducted extensive research and analysis of the mass sighting for an entire year. Unknown to most people, after the widely reported sightings in January of 2008, the UFO returned in October of that very same year. Interviews with numerous witnesses and analysis of radar reports yield the same results. A UFO, not a conventional aircraft, had returned to the Stephenville area as reported by reliable witnesses. Ken is the founder and president of Epic Extraordinary Phenomena Investigations Council, an organization which investigates and presents information on all manner of extraordinary phenomena. He is also the founder, host, and executive producer of the popular Epic's Voyages radio show on InceptionRadioNetwork.com. Joining us now is Ken Cherry. And Ken, welcome to the X-Zone. Hi, Rob. Glad to be here. So tell us, what really happened in Stevensville? <laughs> well, uh, I had to write a book to kind of uh, <laughs> uh, tell everybody what happened. But um, uh, it became a media frenzy for many months and was reported all over the world. And as a result, we received uh, phone calls from people uh, from reporters worldwide australia you know canada england 
uh, all of Europe and so forth. Uh, I even got uh, one uh, inquiry from a fellow in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there was widespread interest in the uh, sighting because there were just a a huge number of highly reliable witnesses that uh, saw described this enormous craft. And the first story that made the newspapers um, uh, was about uh, this uh, gentleman, Steve Allen, uh, who was himself a private pilot. And one of his friends who was a a flight attendant uh, for American Airlines for many years and her husband uh, were all standing outside at his place uh, one evening. And they witnessed this craft that he described as being a mile long and a quarter mile wide. Um, it went across the horizon at such an incredible speed. Uh, uh, Steve uh, estimated that it was flying 2,000 miles an hour based on his own experience flying the same distance in his aircraft. <laughs> so he had a pretty good idea how fast this thing was going. Well, they stood there sort of in awe talking about it for a little while, and the next thing you know, it came back. Uh, and this time, though, it was being chased by F-16s in afterburner and <laughs> trying to catch up to it. And Steve said at some point, you know, it's like the uh, UFO decided, well, I had enough of this and just, you know, took off and left them almost sitting still in the air. So uh, that was the initial story uh, that got picked up by the AP uh, that, of course, was published all over the world and uh the, the amount of interest uh, was just amazing. Uh, we, 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 we had uh, initially 75 witnesses uh, that wanted to uh, give us their account. And so we made an, uh, made arrangements. Uh, hey, Ken, I, we're going to have to do a little bit of a cliffhanger here. I have to take my first break. Exxon Nation, Ken Cherry is our special guest. www.epicvoyagers.com is the website. And we'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget, if you'd like to see all the great programming we have available for you, 724-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net. We'll be back right after this break. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating 
at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? Why are crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good To Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Welcome back, everyone. Ken Cherry is our special guest, www.epicvoyagers.com. And, uh, Ken, we were talking about the Stephenville UFO going back to, um, when was it, 2008? Yes, yeah. January 10th, 2008. Uh, uh, Stephenville is a small town, uh, about 15,000 people. Mm-hmm. And mostly these are farmers, ranchers. Um, the number one... Uh, <laughs> business in the county is as uh, dairy farming but most of these small uh, dairy farms can't make a living so most people have a day job as well as t- tending all of their chores so these are hard-working people and uh, even though it's also has a, a, a college there we had very very few uh, witnesses who were young people uh, for the most part, they were with their parents or something if they if they also saw this thing. So so these were what I call the gray-haired folks who were coming out to tell us what they saw. Many of them were surprisingly very well-traveled uh, and uh, uh, higher educations and a lot of experience in life. One lady was a uh, head of an emergency room there at a local hospital, and she'd been in a a military brat and traveled all over the world and seen all kind of aircraft. And uh, so these were not their run-of-the-mill, you know, just uh, type folks. They they were pretty – very reliable. And in addition to that, we had um, a, an elected official there, Constable uh, Gayton, um, three of the uh, police – uh, there uh, for the Stephenville Police Force were also witnesses. As a matter of fact, I would say that uh, they probably had some of the more uh, uh, interesting uh, report to give. Uh, one policeman was out at a radar uh, trap, and uh, he said everything went quiet. And he looked around, and there were no, there were no birds, no crickets, no anything. And he looked up, and there was this huge enormous craft just looming over him what, what country, did the craft right? look like uh just everybody just described it as big i'll tell you what this policeman went back later to the police at the department and, and he was 
at the end of the shift, he and a couple of other uh, guys were in there. And he was all excited. He says, you won't believe what I saw today. And the other one says, no, you won't believe what I saw. And the third one says, no, 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 let me tell you. And it turns out in three different parts of uh, the countryside around there, these three uh, policemen had witnessed the same thing, and they sat down and put together a, a drawing that they agreed upon that was, uh, you know, represented this craft. So, um, <laughs> something something I'd like to ask you. I, I'm an ex-cop myself. Sure. Okay. And three cops had no yep. communication between each other None. before getting to the back to the station how come they didn't radio this anomaly into central dispatch beats me uh but uh, i mean i'm not aware of all of that stuff mm-hmm. but i will tell you that these guys we interviewed them they didn't want us to use their names because they were afraid if they ever had to be called as witnesses in a trial that they'd be mocked and it could be for the same reason that they didn't put anything in over the radio. So, you know? in, in their opinion, there was no risk to the public safety. Well, or that they couldn't do anything about it, or that they questioned their own, you know, what they had seen. I have no idea, but I'll tell you, there were number of other witnesses mm-hmm. that were just as reliable. Uh, Constable Gaten uh, also had uh, access to the same radio system and everything, and it could have called... You know, uh, he had a number of officers under him, so he could have made a report on the radio as well. But they did come forward and give us their statements um, and a composite of drawing of this uh, of this craft. How so, long? How long after? And it, how long? And it aligned with what? Re, I stopped counting at 150 witnesses okay. that I spoke. All with. right, hold on here. Hold on here. Hold on here. How long after the actual sighting were the police officers interviewed? Oh, very shortly after. I would say we were down there within a week. So uh, for a week, the police officers didn't say anything? Uh, They did not want their names or faces made public. Uh, So they were waiting to give the official statement, but they didn't. They really were in fear of their of their jobs. Now, Constable Gaten was very public about it. Mm -hmm. And he but he was an elected official. He's very uh, popular there is reelected numerous times and uh he, i guess he had no fear that it was going to affect him and so uh you know he was very vocal about it but uh, uh a sheriff uh de- a deputy there also viewed it i mean uh constable gaten was one of the only law enforcement officers that had the courage to go f- public on it so uh, but there were other people. There was bank president who didn't want their name <laughs> used. There was there was a city councilman, uh, Mark Murphy, who uh, he was very vocal about it. He came out and you know gave. So there were people who, you know, could have felt that they could impact their careers that did go public, uh, but uh, others, I guess, felt that they were more vulnerable. So. Uh, I don't blame them. I mean, uh, we uh, we we took their information and it 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 conformed to the um, reports that we're getting from other people all over the county. Okay, so, so what? All right, let me ask you this: uh, as far as any commercial or military radar, what was uh, what was the story on that? Uh, actually, we conducted three different radar uh, studies over. Uh, the period of the year, because actually the thing returned uh, in October, and we try to keep that one out of the <laughs> out of the media, you Why? know, to just get because they just turned it into this circus uh, for the original investigation. Uh, but all three radar reports found the UFO, uh, in other words, this large craft that was not transponding. Uh, and in the first case in January, uh, two different radar studies did show the, uh, military craft in pursuit. Mm-hmm. And then the third, uh, rep- uh, study that we did in October, uh, was actually 87% in alignment. In other words, the, we found the craft not transponding, 
uh, in the path uh, that the witnesses said it was in at the time that they uh, reported. So 87% accuracy, you know, you just don't get any better than that. Who was the person doing the radar analysis, and what were their qualifications? Oh, the stellar uh, qualifications, outstanding. Um, Who was one of the reasons. One of the reasons I wrote the book, and I won't use their name because I have some bad things to say about my former organization. Uh, one of the things that I found, Rob, is we got into our investigation that my organization, MUFON to be specific, mm-hmm. uh, began to withhold uh, uh, critical assets from us. They had the, um, um, the radar specialist who also had to be a FOIA specialist. I'm sure you're probably aware of that. Uh, the Freedom of Information Act requests are so specific nowadays that you have to have somebody who's an actual expert in for, in filing these things. So at any rate, they cut off communication with me and my team. He was supposed to be working for me and had him reporting directly to the board of directors of MUFON. Uh, a good friend of mine, Dave Pavoni, who's the producer of the UFO Hunters, offered to come and offer, you know, give us help. And he hired a um, uh, another um, uh, uh, radar specialist, a retired meteorologist, uh, who did the uh, file FOIA report reports and get the radar. Now but, the FAA just a sec here, just a sec here, just a sec here. Yep, a meteorologist is a meteorologist right. qualified to to verify the authenticity or the tracking of military or commercial aviation? Yes. How? Yeah, There's a difference between looking at clouds using a Doppler radar system compared to using a military or even civilian radar. Correct. But he was uh, capable of... uh, That was one of the things that he had done since he retired was be an investigator and... um, uh, uh, FOIA expert and so forth, and and requesting the various radar reports and and interpreting them. But he did find, in his uh, study, the UFO g- passing by uh, Steve Allen and his friends, and they did find the F-16s in pursuit um, later on that evening. So, uh, regardless of you know the people's names and you know whatnot. Uh, the, all three radar reports did confirm the witnesses, the eyewitnesses, in in terms of time and, and place. So, um, you know, that made me start looking at my own organization of uh, trying to find out well, what the heck is going on. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what led to, to my book and uh, uh, made me uh, kind of look at the people involved there. And uh, it was pretty eye-opening. And it, <laughs> at first, it was going to be a tell-all, and then I realized they couldn't use people's names, so uh, uh, you know, I had to write it as a novel. I, I I still have a problem with the the expert who was a meteorologist and not a military or civilian radar expert. That to yeah. me, that to me is a flag. That to me is a flag. Another flag with the entire story so far is that there was no chatter on the police bands about this. Now, what it says to me is that the officers, if they did see something, were negligent in their performing their duty if they saw something of that magnitude. And if there is something of that magnitude, it could possibly pose a threat to public safety. And they were derelict in their duties as officers by not communicating with the rest of the uh, law enforcement agencies on the frequencies and in the territory. That makes no sense to me at all. <laughs> well, I'm not here to account for their actions, only what they, uh, uh, the, the testimony that they gave, uh, the witness reports that they gave, and the composite uh, drawing that uh, they provided. Okay, now, and where, where did their these... stories were consistent with other witnesses. So the... whether they were derelict in their duty reporting it or not is... Is not the issue for But wait me, a sec, so. wait a sec, wait a sec. It, it's all these little pieces that, that sometimes are most troubling to people when it comes mm-hmm. to UFO reports. For example, well, the testimony... Well, I'm not the sure where you were a cop, but, you the, know... The in, testimony... Uh, wait a, a sec, small, hello, 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 hold on just a sec, I'm, I'm not finished. Okay. <laughs> you, you know, it's... 
you, you mentioned given the reports, testimony. Who was the testimony given to? Well, let's see. I had a team of... Uh, was, it given to, was it given to MUFON? Uh, it was given to my team, me and my investigators. Were you part of MUFON? I was the state director. Okay. Uh, you just read right. that off my bio. <laughs> but I didn't know at the time if you were or you weren't. Because, yeah, no, it says okay. right in there I was the state director and conducted the investigation okay. for over a year with a team of investigators. All right, so, stand by. We've got to take another <clears throat> commercial break here. www.epicvoyagers.com. Ken Cherry is our guest. And we'll be back on the other side of the news as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And uh, not only are we on the Exxon Broadcast Network, we're on Radio X, the Mutual Broadcast Network, and of course on iHeartRadio. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. are our personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss Shamanic Counselor and Indigenously Trained Dream Decoder Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influenced her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, starwalkervisions.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. 
Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen. And welcome back. We're talking about uh, the Stephenville UFO going back to the year 2008. Ken Cherry is our special guest, and his website is epicvoyagers.com. So you and your team investigated the sighting for a year. You interviewed people. You had experts uh, looking at the radar tracks. Uh, You had credible eyewitnesses. And what was the final conclusion? It was a UFO that was seen twice, am I correct? Oh, it was seen multiple times. Uh, Two times uh, were covered by the media, you know, greatly. But Mm -hmm. uh, uh, one lady asked me uh, what I thought was an excellent question. Is Mr. Cherry, why does this thing just keep coming back? (laughs) Because it was sighted a number of times over the – not through January and February. So, yeah, it – um, there were two uh, types that mm-hmm. the media dubbed the big one uh, that was considered to be a mile long and a quarter mile wide as the mothership. But there were also orbs uh, that were sighted, not all always in conjunction with this big one, but uh, uh, there might be, um, you know, there were kind of golden uh, globes, orbs, uh, could either be one. Uh, several of them, or mm. one that break, broke into several. So there were there were different. There were two different, yeah. primarily uh, uh, UFO types. There were there any photographs taken? No, there were uh, just these composite pictures that were uh, put together by the cops. I had uh, any number of people come forward with mm-hmm. things. Uh, one of the uh, witnesses that the uh, little. Uh, Newspaper there in Stephenville uh, quoted, uh, gave this uh, dramatic account of him being out hunting on his ranch, and he looked up, and, you know, there was this huge craft hanging over, and he looked through the uh, scope on his rifle, you know, and got a good uh, view of it. But uh, uh, he brought us what he claimed to be uh, proof, and we looked at it, and it looked all the world like uh, just the sun shining through the clouds, you know, yeah. or behind the clouds. So. We didn't have anything that would be considered definitive proof. And there were – James Fox uh, came into town, was offering $5,000 for uh, pictures. And, uh, you know, everybody – Turned I mean, into my phone a, rang off the hook. People wanted to be paid for whatever they had to say or Turned show. into a circus. A circus, yes, absolutely. What did the military you know, say? Pardon? What was the military's reply? <laughs> well, the uh, – uh, initially, within a day or so of this report, mm-hmm. this major came out and said, oh, uh, it was two commercial flyer uh, jets flying too close together and created an optical illusion. <laughs> well, you know, um, uh, the fact that it was <clears throat> seen in three or four different counties uh, from all sorts of different angles at different times kind of blew that away. Uh, but then by the time we got our re- radar reports, he, d- he even denied that there were any F-16s in the area. And then uh, after we got our radar reports proving that they were there, oh, uh, okay, I didn't know about that flight that was out that is evening. It, is it possible it was the National Guard, therefore the Air Force wouldn't have not known it? No, not at all. Um, the Joint Reserve Base is, um, uh, these are all... Um, uh, people who were, you know, part-time pilots. Mm-hmm. And this was an evening flight. And remember, this was back during uh, uh, the Middle East uh, war. We were in uh, Iraq and flying sorties and uh, gasoline was being uh, rationed and so forth. And uh, you don't send reservists out at night. They don't have that much experience flying except a couple of weeks out of the year. 
they're mostly accountants and people like that, you know. So uh, this would have been unusual. Plus, you know, you have to you, you don't just hop in a plane and fly off. There's it's all kind of ground support has to be called in for these folks. So the fact that somebody didn't know that this mm-hmm. uh, flight had gone out is just ludicrous. Uh, uh, one of the uh, witnesses or people that I spoke with, I, and I over a period of time, I had. A number of whistleblowers that came forward to tell me, you know, their version of what was going on and so forth. And one of one of the first people I spoke with was this young first lieutenant, Air Force lieutenant, on the base where this flight had taken off. And he he'd already decided he wasn't going to make the Air Force a career and was very interested in this. But anyway, he said, uh, we see uh, UFOs on our radar here all the time, and we're told not to talk about them. So. Um, uh, apparently, one thing we did find is that uh, this this area has been a hotbed of uh, UFO activity for at least a hundred years, <laughs> and yet there's no proof of them. No proof. Uh, well, you know, the unless it lands <laughs> or people get a clear shot of them. Uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, even uh, some of the best photographs have been people have said, "Yeah, those are too good," you know. But but, uh, but it is. It, look at it this way: this is a conditioning process for the human race. It's like we discovered this primitive tribe in the jungle. You know, just go barging in there. You fly over. You know, you drop a coke bottle, whatever. You know that movie was. But anyway, uh, then it's a long conditioning process, and first they want. It tried out over a small town like Stephenville and, uh, you know, see how people react. In the beginning, the reaction was pretty good. People wanted I, – I found a genuine interest among all these gray-haired folks and said, I, I know I've seen something that's unusual and probably, you know, the greatest mystery of my lifetime. And, uh, of course, you know, p- uh, people exist on other planets. And so they were pretty calm. But as more and more media hype came out, the the sighting reports just started spiking. And people who had been reliable witnesses started seeing UFOs everywhere. So, um, you know, part of the, the justification for not uh, disclosing what's going on with uh, UFOs and ETs and that sort of thing is the belief that people would not be able to handle it. And uh, we did get uh, – there was at some point a mass hysteria that took over there where people were seeing UFOs everywhere. And even some of our uh, earlier witnesses that we found, you know, that we confirmed their stories uh, began to see them everywhere. So uh, I think we've got a long way to go before <laughs> – we're ready for them to just land and give us the proof that you're looking for, Rob. Well, I figure with all the cameras that everybody has access to now, whether it be a a, a remote uh, webcam or a dash cam or somebody's cell phone with a high-definition camera, if these UFOs are all over the place, shouldn't there be the smoking gun photograph by now if they are really there and it's not, you know, it, it's real and not just kind of a sociological hype that is going around because it does get certain people their five minutes of attention. Yeah, well, uh, when you say they're around all the time, they're not in the same place on a regular basis all the time. So, uh, And uh, quite a few of the sighting reports that we uh, followed up on were not, you know, not confirmed, mm-hmm. but... I would say that over time, over the, around the world, there have been a few, um, you know, fairly uh, good photographs. Um, the Belgium uh, flyover, uh, there were a number of, of photographs taken of these uh, triangular crafts with their lights uh, going overhead and so forth. So, you know, it's not like there haven't been any. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, but, uh, you know, there are always naysayers out there that say, you know, that's not real, it's photoshopped, whatever. But I agree. Uh, you know, uh, we just became, got as close as we could to proving, you know, the fact that it's a UFO doesn't mean that it's from outer space. I agree. It, 
I agree. It, it just means that it's an unidentified flying object, mm-hmm. but it was clearly technology that's not conventional. How do you know that? How do you know that? How do you know it wasn't technology that is still classified as top secret? And well, that, that's what that's why I said not convention in convention. I mean, in conventional use. So. I see. Uh, yeah, and uh, as a matter of fact, some of my sources did come back and say that uh, we have been working with um, ETs uh, at least since the 50s in back engineering technology. So, um, if, if we're if we're back engineering technology, we are the dumbest race on earth because we're still using solid rocket fuel. And if we've been back no, engineering no. technology, oh come on. No, no, here, here's the thing. Okay. The people who actually run this planet don't want this to benefit the rest of mankind. Who's running the planet? Well, let me put it this way. Remember back in the early, you know, when this Spain and England and so forth had the money to put forward all these ships to go around the world and loot the other countries – uh, they didn't spread the wealth around. Uh, you know, that was for the benefit of the kings and queens and the royal, uh, you know, people. So, you know, it's the same thing now. You know, there are a few, uh, like the Rothschilds and others who run the planet. They're the wealthiest people. And, you know, just, uh, well, one of the uh, sources that, uh, is a main character in my book. One of the main characters is an older gentleman that I met. He was uh, it was a near death uh, uh, discussion. He was on his last leg, but I had known him off and on through the years. I never knew what he did, but he said that he had been a uh, a member of the OSS of World War II and a close confidant of MacArthur. And so at, at some point during the war, there were a number of UFOs that were shot down or came down accidentally that uh, the MacArthur viewed, and he uh, was with them. But at any rate, that's how he got introduced into this. And uh, later on, as an older man, he was a member of a three-man team who gave the final approval for Black Budget Projects, uh, the funding. And he said one year the uh, – the funding request was so huge that uh, the other he and the other two men just would not approve it. They told this general, you know, we don't know where the money's going. There's no oversight. We're not going to approve this. So, you know, the general said, okay, well, I'll take you. Anyway, he said he took them to a hangar, an enormous hangar. He didn't tell me where. Mm-hmm. And he said when they opened the hangar, in his words, there were all sizes of flying saucers. And the general turned to him and said, that's where the money's going. And uh, he's, this was in the early 60s. So we've had the secret space program for at least 55, six years, something like that. So it, it's not that we haven't been able to, uh, you know, back engineer this stuff. It's just that. Um, <laughs> and yet Russia yeah. was on the moon before the Americans were. You go figure. So that means the extraterrestrials weren't working with Russia. They were just working with the Americans? Uh, I don't know that. They could mm-hmm. be working with uh, the Russians and the Chinese and also as well. Who knows? Um, All right, listen, I've got to take my final break. Please stand by. Interesting conversation. Ken Cherry's our special guest. www.epicvoyagers.com. I'm Rob McConnell. We'll be back on the other side as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? From new releases to old classics, TV shows, almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. 
They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul-balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome back, everyone. Ken Cherry is our guest. And uh, Ken, um, we were talking before we went to the break uh, about uh, this this uh, gentleman that you talked to who, you know, was describing uh, black budgets. And after questioning a, a general or refusing a major part of a budget, the general actually brought him to a hangar where these crafts were. Now, I don't doubt that the Americans and other countries do have secret projects because they don't want the competition to know. And that only makes sense to me. Uh, so the, I find that very, I find that very possible. What was it that got you involved in UFOs? You're a former investment uh, banker. <laughs> well, I did have an uh, experience when I was a youngster. Uh-huh. Uh, 
Uh, about six or seven years old. We lived on a ranch mm-hmm. uh, south of Dallas, and uh, you know, back then the kids, uh, you know, you, they were gone all day. Their parents didn't work worry about them. But mm-hmm. uh, I was out in this uh, pasture, uh, come through this uh, area of trees on our place there, and looked up, and there was this silvery object just sort of floating across the horizon. And uh, the next thing I knew, this jet came down. Of course, I was too young then to know anything about air, military aircraft or UFOs or whatever. So I, you know, I didn't know exactly what these were. But uh, you know, there was some sort of a glint or something. I don't know if it was the sun, but whatever. The um, uh, the jet uh, started smoking and the uh, pilot bailed out, and uh, uh, the the plane crashed. Um, and this silvery object, you know, took off. Mm. Um, and, of course, back in those days, you know, kids were to be seen and not yeah. heard. But whenever my parents got together with the uh, uh, people around there, the, uh, uh, they uh, it was a very sparsely populated area. But uh, neighbors, all they would talk about is rescuing this pilot from the trees. He had come, his parachute hung up in some trees. So... Uh, you know, it was one of those things that you will never forget. It's like, where were you when Kennedy was shot? Right. Or, you know, anything that's dramatic that happens in your life, it just it's, you know, burned into your memory. Mm-hmm. And so um, um, I, I read uh, what I could uh, as a teenager and then later m- married. But anyway, it was probably uh, <laughs> not until I was about 40. We took a... Uh, a uh, a trip to Roswell, went to the little museum there, and uh, uh, there was some information about MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network. So, you know, I, I took that, and then when we returned home, I followed up on it. And uh, within a year or so, I became the state director uh, for them. And it's supposed to be the largest and oldest uh, scientific organization for the, uh, you know, study of UFOs for the benefit of mankind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what I found out, though, is in field, is just riddled with people from the intelligence uh, community. So, but it took, unfortunately for me, it took me uh, ten, twelve years and a lot of hard work on an investigation that was being thwarted uh, to find that out. So, so what uh, would be wrong with Mufon having members of the intelligence community in it? Well, uh, <laughs> there's a little. Uh, a lot could could go wrong with that. Such as? Um, well, you, you know, it's supposed to be for uh, the public uh, to, to, to know uh, what's going on with mm-hmm. UFOs and ETs and, you know, whatever conclusion they come. First of all, they've been in business for well over 40 years, and they've come to no conclusion, no proof, nothing. So um, I, I, I'll give you – what if – the most critical cases to come in on the server are never disseminated to the investigators or seen by the public. But isn't that and where the media comes in? How would the media know? People call the media first. They usually don't call MUFON. Uh, well, not I, they had a central uh, uh, management system that uh, you know was humming all the time with reports from around the world. I think Peter Davenport does a hell of a lot better job than MUFON ever did. Oh, absolutely. I, I, you know, he's a dedicated, he's a dedicated great guy. And he doesn't get the accolades he should get. Yeah, Peter doesn't hold anything back. No, you know? I, I don't believe so. But at any rate, uh, yeah, there were just uh, uh, too many people there who have mm-hmm. an interest in capturing the information. for. The, well, take, for example, uh, Project Blue Book. You know, it's been shown that that was just a cover-up. Um, Howard uh, Bloom and his book out there uh, discusses a FOIA report that he obtained. Uh, it was a communication from, and I forget the general's name, but it said, of course we didn't put the most critical cases in Blue Book. They were national security. So, I mean, those are the ones that were supposed to be of interest. I mean, the... All right, so let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. You just brought up something very interesting. What gives any person 
or any organization to stick their nose into subjects that may indeed be national security and putting the rest of the country in danger because of their inability to know when to back away and not cross a line that they're told not to cross. Well, you know, I'm not a believer in this no secrets, no secrets stuff that seems to be the, you know, the cry mm-hmm. of the day. I do believe that there's a lot of things that the public doesn't need to know. Yeah. But uh, on the other hand, um, the secrets they're withholding could improve uh, the uh, the course of humanity so but dramatically. What but what happens if they're not holding any secrets? What happens if the secret is part of a great nothing? You know, I I don't you know like I don't believe the government is perpetrating a conspiracy. I don't believe the Vatican is perpetrating a conspiracy. I don't believe anybody is cons- you know is is maintaining a cover up or a conspiracy besides the UFO community itself. Because as long as the conspiracy and cover up is in place, they don't have to provide any evidence to the contrary. Well, I will tell you that there is a conspiracy to cover up the UFO and ET uh, uh, situation, and By that who? they are withholding technology that could By who? free us up, free us up from hydrocarbons and so forth. Of course, you know, just think about this: the Middle East only has one uh, product to sell to placate their population. What if suddenly oil became basically worthless? You got a billion people in the Middle East that have no source of income <laughs> practically at all. You talk about uh, a war, uh, you know, unrest. That makes that no would sense. Do it. That makes no sense. That argument makes no sense whatsoever. How's that? Well, How's for, that not make sense? Well, it, it, the Middle East isn't the only place that has oil. Yeah, but that's the only thing they have besides sand in a lot of cases. So you mean you mean the governments of the world are keeping the information about possible uh, alternative energy availability and, and products and, and methods just to keep the Middle East in oil? I'm, saying, I'm just saying that's one reason. So, <laughs> just, all right, so who's doing this? The New World Order or the who? Well, I wish I could give you names. I don't know. I mean, we could go ask them specifically, but... Uh, you know, it, 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 anytime there's more than two people involved and uh, keep it a secret, it's a conspiracy. So uh, I already outlined to you one, which mm-hmm. was the uh, existence of a secret space program. So, But once again, once again, I have to ask you, did you see any proof? Or all, all, you, were, all you have to substantiate the claim is hearsay evidence? Yeah, I, I guess, you know, if you look at it that way, that is correct, but... Uh, it was corroborated by a number of other sources. Uh, three scientists that I talked to that uh, worked at S4 in uh, Area 51, and each one of them had told me. And I looked them up. I mean, all you had to do is Google them and, and find out that they were highly respected PhDs and so forth. But um, And each one of them said that they had had their lives threatened, their families threatened if they went public. And so that was one of the reasons they gave me the information I put in my book instead of, you know, they couldn't do it themselves. Well, but, but did you use their they, names? But, did you use they, their names? Well, did you identify them in your book? Of course not. So how they, could pe- so how what, can people go on Google and verify who they are? They, uh, I did the research. I wrote it down. It's up for people to read my work and see if they believe it or not. If it's not credible, they just reject it. But the fact I am satisfied mm-hmm. that these three reputable scientists are telling me that we've had a, that they personally have worked in a secret space program alongside aliens, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that's enough for me to, uh, <laughs> to believe you, them without seeing any proof. <laughs> well, it'd be. You know, if I had uh, access to S4, the Area 51, when they were there, uh, that would have been great. But, you know, as an investigator, I've gone as far as I personally could go. I thought it was more important to get the story out to people. But a story without get... the story without any evidence, without any facts, just That's hearsay. Right. 
That's why it's called a novel, Rob. <laughs> hey, listen, Ken, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. And Exo uh, Nation, if you'd like more information on Ken Cherry, his website is epicvoyagers.com. <sighs> yep. I don't know what to tell you, Exo Nation. But if you want to find out anything about the hearsay evidence that he came across and put into a book, and you can buy his book. It just doesn't make sense. And if it doesn't make sense, in my way of thinking, it's not true. And it's the job of a journalist to ask the tough questions. And when tough questions aren't answered, you've got a problem. I'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 